1: Welcome to DNF. He's Spencer Hall. I'm Jessica Smetana. I'm in this weirdly lit room this morning and we're running a little late because Spencer, we have a lot of conspiracy theories to discuss today. And so we needed to get ourselves set up. What happened in that race in the Dutch Grand Prix?
0: (laughs) Plots. Mayhem. Conspiracies, right? Mischief. Cabals and to rob Max Verstappen of a potential win, which he eventually got anyway because he's Max Verstappen. That's what happened. Substitute teams were used. Drivers stopped mysteriously. Former teammates call for favors. Maybe their engine just ran out. I don't know. When you get something like Sandvort, and you get the Dutch Grand Prix, and things get so out of hand so quickly uh, toward the end of the race, it's very hard not to lean into conspiracy theories, especially when rare moment in conspiracy theory history, they provide the most compelling answer as to how things happen. Which part of this thread do you want to pull apart first? Because we should state for all the conspiracy conspiracy theorizing, Max Verstappen won. It's 2022, Max Verstappen won.
1: And realistically, Red Bull doesn't need to pull off elaborate conspiracy theories to win no. a race, let alone this championship, Spencer. They have been mm-hmm. in a comfortable lead for a while now. But what happened with Yuki Tsunoda was so bizarre. So let's start with that, because that ultimately played a pretty big role in how the rest of this race finished up.
0: So Yuki believes he has a loose wheel, I think, is after right. after a, a pit, pit stop and believes he has a loose wheel and that something is wrong with the car. OK, he comes into the pits right after slowing considerably. I think he was going like 30 miles an hour at mm-hmm. one point on the track. And it comes into the pits, and just what do they do? What what do they adjust when you? I go, don't oh, know what.
1: What was that? They had two mechanics reaching into his little cockpit, doing fiddling with something in his seatbelt. I think conspiracy theorist Spencer would tell you that they were giving him an important piece of information, Spencer, which was mm-hmm. don't stop here. Go back out and cause a virtual safety car, or just a regular safety yes. car, because the overlords at Red Bull are calling this one, and we need your help, Yuki. Take one for the team. Is is that is that what the conspiracy theorists are, are that's thinking what, right now?
0: That's what the conspiracy theorists would say because at that point, Mercedes, particularly Lewis Hamilton, is on Verstappen's ass. They are gaining speed, I believe, at that point, marginally, doing very, very well, and at that point, have the potential to be 2-3 with no one between them right behind Max Verstappen. So a fully unified Mercedes team working together i need you to just go ahead and frame and pause this in your mind okay that one part of the alpha conspiracy as our commenters are calling it depends on a unified and cohesive mercedes team working together and not in their own interests to make this happen just just bookmark that thought in your head okay because of something that happens later that is the thought that they're telling him to go out cause a virtual safety car get everyone together so that they have a shot eliminating Mercedes from this race and preserving a win for Max Verstappen. Is that what happened, Jess? Did we have a unified Mercedes team here?
1: No. And this actually didn't even end up being the only safety car, Spencer, because then who came to the rescue for our friend Lewis Hamilton very shortly afterwards? It was DNF friend Valtteri Bottas.
0: That's right. Our close personal friend, Valtteri Bottas, ends up stalling out in the middle saying that his engine is gone. He is in the middle of the track. Kind of a scary moment there for a second because he stopped pretty abruptly and there was still lap traffic like flying around him. So uh, he stops. We get another virtual safety car. The accordion tightens. We get all of the people to get all of the race pack together again. Um, naturally, where would a conspiracy theorist go on this? Oh, that's right. Valtteri Bottas ended up being, uh, at one point, teammates with Lewis Hamilton for, you know, a little substantial Mm -hmm. period of time, which would be Lewis Hamilton's, like, serious championship run with Mercedes, with Valtteri as his mostly harmonious second at times. Sort of not, but yeah, that's, that's where a conspiracy theorist would go at this point. Remember, here's the fun part about conspiracy theories. They're always right. They're always right, <laughs> and at no point do you have to prove them. They just have to seem semi plausible yes. in the face, in the face of a way scarier answer, which is uh, absolute chaos. I wanted to ask you this, Jessica. Mm-hmm. Do you believe any of this in terms of potential conspiratorial thinking? Okay, in F one, a sport so dramatic, so moneyed, and so run by the people we consider to be the powers that be in this world, they almost make sense sometimes. Do you believe any of it?
1: I do believe in Formula One teams conspiring against one another. It has happened. This is not a far-fetched thing in this sport. All you have to do is go to the wiki page for the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix Spencer and read all Mm -hmm. about how teams have done this in the past. We should also mention, before I answer your question, what happened in qualifying yesterday which Mm -hmm. I know we were both very busy flipping between college football games and Formula One qualifying, but Checo mysteriously crashed out in Q3 after Verstappen had clinched pole position before the other drivers were able to finish their last flying laps. So this has been a weekend where a lot of lucky things have shaken out for Red Bull. Now, if you're asking if I believe that this Alpha Tori, Alpha Conspiratory really is some sort of Christian Horner Chris Jenner designed play to put their person out on top. Mm, Not really, because they didn't really need to do it. Max still had what probably could have been the winning strategy without the virtual safety car from Yuki Tsunoda. And also, if you're going to stop the race, why do a virtual safety car? Why not just go full out and crash into a wall and completely slow things down? I don't know. But Spencer... I don't think this was a conspiracy theory, but I do think, like you said, every good conspiracy theory just needs to have a tiny kernel of truth in it. And this one has Mm -hmm. just enough that I do think it is very suspicious.
0: I would like to discuss something that is not a conspiracy theory, and that is pretty cut and dry. Mm. And I think it um, it marks a tragic point in DNF's history as a podcast, because we have given the lad of the week every single week to george russell as the outstanding lad of the week and we had a heel turn this week we had a heel turn because yes we did because remember one important brick of that alpha conspiracy theory is that we needed mercedes to act together as a cohesive team to Mm -hmm. push hamilton to the front and heading into the final laps of the race with tires that he viewed as suboptimal George Russell called for his own pit. He called for his own pit stop, was allowed to do so, took the tires, and nothing between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. uh, Verstappen easily passing Hamilton, and uh, eventually Hamilton falling to fourth as Russell rose to second. We watched the lad become dark, George.
1: We watched the lad become bad.
0: George mm-hmm. Russell
1: broke bad. How long do you think he considered before calling himself in for the tire change? Am I going to lose best lad? My fourth or fifth consecutive best lad award if I do this. Do you think he thought about it? And do you think he decided, no, I am no longer the best lad. I must do this for myself.
0: I think he tried it. I think he tried it on. I think he was like, well, what if I wasn't the best lad? Like he's driving around. And he's like, I am the best lad. Because I think what George Russell thinks most of the time driving around is, I am the best lad, and mm. I think he was driving around. He was like, you know, have you ever had that moment where you're like, what if I put on the leather jacket? What if I smoke <laughs> a cigarette? Right? What if I write mm-hmm. something nasty on the wall with this can of spray paint? I think. What if I turn thought. into
1: Kaniki from Greece? Uh, that is who you're describing. That is ex-
0: thank you for picking that up. <laughs> that is exactly. Right? What if I become a pink, what if I become a member of the pink ladies? That's what he was thinking.
1: (laughs) And now he's Rizzo. Yeah, Spencer, Mm -hmm. this was sad to see when George Russell went in to change the tires because the setup was such that it seemed like even after Yuki Tsunoda's virtual safety car, Lewis Hamilton still had a chance of, albeit a much smaller chance, because Verstappen was able to put on fresh tires, but he still had a chance to either win this race or end up on the podium. And then George Russell makes this decision, and and what happens?
0: Well, our dude gets second. He does get second. But overall, perhaps cost his team points because Mm. there's a realistic chance given things, I know you have to assume that Max Verstappen does not win this race, okay? But a Mercedes one-two finish or a two-three finish is better than the two-four finish they had. Okay, so making a marginal call for self-interest here, I can't ask George Russell not to do that. I can't. Ultimately, we have to remember we call everybody the nice lad. They all get around. They all pat backs. They will all stab each other in the back at one hundred and eighty miles an hour as well. <laughs> right? When you see it, take Absolutely. it. If you get the yeah, and that's that is ultimately the the paradox at the center of having a two-member race team. Ultimately, they're competing against each other, right? Yes, they are working together for the most part. But especially in a late-race situation, the part that people will ask about, is Mercedes letting this happen? Is Mercedes saying, yeah, go for it? I think that's unprecedented. I think the, the the notion that we would have seen them make a call for George over Lewis at any point, would this have seemed like anything but heresy? 365 days ago?
1: I mean, I I think it's pretty shocking because not only did they, I don't think George ever had a chance to win this race, right? Like this was purely right. like to put him in a better position, whereas Lewis still had a very small chance to win this if George just stays out and is able to defend Verstappen after the restart. So George goes back in, and Lewis is essentially left out to dry. He's totally exposed. His radio message was very telling. I mean, he's a guy who's not usually this emotional, and he also very rarely is upset with his team publicly on the radio, Spencer. He's always Mm – even when they lose, Lewis Hamilton's always the guy thanking everyone for you know thanking everyone in the garage and the factory and everything like that. And his radio message was, "I can't believe you guys effing screwed me. I can't tell you how, how pissed I am right now." And then after the race, Total Wolf came on the radio and said, "Lewis, like, I'm I'm sorry about that. Let's talk about this in private. Like, let's not hash this out over uh-huh. the radio message. Like, come back into the garage. We'll we'll chat about this behind the scenes." And Lewis's response was. I just want to thank everyone in the garage all the mechanics we had the best pit stops of the season so far did not acknowledge total wolf completely uh, went underneath him and said everyone else did great and basically like yeah sure yeah we're gonna talk about this buddy
0: uh-huh yeah
1: i i also spencer i thought i don't know if you caught total wolf after the race i thought that his comments defending the strategy were actually pretty weak he he, multiple times mm-hmm. during the post race interview was like sorry what was the question i can't hear you which is what you do when you're filibustering because you don't know how yeah. to answer something and he did it a couple times and didn't really have a great excuse for why they didn't just go all the way with george and russell staying or george and lewis staying out on the same set of tires and Nico Rosberg also after the race and like Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, by the way, like they're not the best. They're not the best of friends. Nico Rosberg was like, why did Mercedes do that? If you're gonna go for it, you gotta go for it. You can't do half and half. You can't like pick one guy and the other guy at the same time and go for it. Like you this is the situation where you need both drivers to be on the same page, and they did not go for it like that, Spencer. Yes.
0: I mean, think about that. We're all very continental in F1, right? Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton have <clears throat> buried the hat. That's ancient history. We're of course we're we're not friends, but you know, we're definitely cordial. When Nico Rosberg is coming to your defense, right? With all that old beef in the fridge. Mm. that's bad. That, that, that's Don't a bad look for Toto. It's a bad look for Mercedes. I know Russell is the future. That is the way they are leaning. It is just jarring to see. It's jarring to see a little peak of the future, right? It's jarring to see Lewis Hamilton. It's jarring, I think, for all of us to see Lewis Hamilton uh, aging at all, just because, to me, Lewis Hamilton still looks like he's 25. But <laughs> it's also jarring to see the relationship at Mercedes change, even in the slightest, because I don't think you go on the radio and say that if things haven't been altered dramatically in terms of how management views you.
1: And like, I get, I get the point about George being the younger driver and like, yes, he is the future of Mercedes, but Lewis had the pace all weekend. Like he wasn't far behind, like far behind Verstappen. And he almost had the chance to win the race outright if it weren't for the two safety cars. So I thought he deserved the chance to try to win that race. And that's the hard part about being in the lead with a safety car and why it tends to come down to luck sometimes. Like in mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi last year, if you're in the lead with a safety car, you're making choices. You're not make, being able to make the same set of choices with the same amount of information as anyone, everyone else because you're either defending your spot or you're giving it up to put on fresh tires. And so Verstappen got totally lucky with the timing of that. This is why the Alpha Conspiratory are out uh, of full strength. There's going to be lots of things said on message boards this week, Spencer. It is just one of those races where it seemed like it was going to come down to Mercedes having the right strategy call, going with one-stop strategy while Verstappen was on the two-stop strategy, and instead it came down to several ridiculous things playing out all at once in the final 20 laps.
0: Which means, I think wrap this conversation up and put a pin in it. Since we've had the Dark George turn, since we've had someone absolutely shark it for a second place finish, I think the word finish should give you a clue as to which way I'm going here. That's correct. The best lad. Don't make a big deal of it. We're finished. The best lad is going to be Valtteri Bottas for the engine crashing out, for keeping things tight, for his dude, doing us all, even though he is not on the same race team, right? Even though he is paired with a different new handsome driver in Joe Guan Yu, I think that Valtteri Bottas will receive, best lad is not it, I think that it will be something more finished, like top quality man, right?
1: <laughs> mega man.
0: Mega man. He is the mega man of the week, Valtteri. I hope that he's relaxing nude in a sauna right now. Enjoying both an espresso and a vodka. And, you know, thinking about Finnish things, like not talking or not talking. Everybody, the mega man of the week, Valtteri Bottas. That was the Finnish national anthem, by the way, in case you've never heard it. I really hadn't.
1: I ha- I've i only probably heard it the few times Valtteri's won F1 races. I, I did start catching on to the, the tune of the... Verstappen Dutch National Anthem, which goes to show just how much he's winning this season. I, I have that stuck in my head. What else happened mm-hmm. in this, Ray Spencer? There was the Mercedes-Red Bull battle. There was the Alpha-Tori, uh conspiracy. There was also some Ferrari to be had. So we should probably talk about them. Because if there if there's anyone who is to gain from all of this Red Bull-Mercedes nonsense... It is Ferrari. It is taking some of the heat off of what they did today.
0: This is astonishing because I, I think about halfway through the race, we were texting each other like, ah, I don't know. This is kind of a, this is like, there's not a whole lot on the plate here. And then inevitably people started to have to choose, um, let's choose a term Ferrari's familiar, with plan C, plan C or plan <laughs> D. They started to run out of plans. And it is an amazing amount of chaos to put into a single race where we have to say, Ferrari absolutely binning a pit stop in hilarious fashion, right? Not yeah. getting the correct number of tires prepared. That's the astonishing part here, okay? Carlos Sainz, who is, I don't wanna say that he's the more uh, unlucky or cursed of the two because I think we've seen Charles Leclerc lose multiple races at this point because of the decisions of his coworkers that have nothing to do with him whatsoever. I think Carlos Sainz caught it today. And he caught it bad because Carlos Sainz had to wait for what seemed like an eternity at a pit stop because they could not get the left rear tire on because it wasn't there. There are four tires on a race car. Four. If you want to know how badly things have gone for Ferrari in terms of basic race organization this year, all right, strengths, making a beautiful car, making a fast car, hiring great drivers, looking cool, making espresso. Having large hair as a race boss, all right. Being real honest, because every time they screw up, Mattia Bonotto is like, "Yeah, that's an abomination." I'm very sorry for that. Weaknesses actually running a race behind the scenes because they messed up four and three. Those numbers are different, and uh, they simply weren't ready. Now I know on the race broadcast they did a pretty good job of explaining how sometimes the the pit crews have very little notice of when somebody's coming in, especially on a track like Sandvort, which is on the shorter side and which has very little warning time between we're pitting and we're here. However, four tires, four, not three. This is where we're at with Ferrari, okay? And they're not gonna fire anyone, by the way. Like, no one will be replaced, I guarantee you. I would put money on it, that no one will be replaced. But they cost Carlos Sainz uh, significant time on the track in place and also left the gun the 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 tool gun they left the whole hose sitting out in the pit lane so that Sergio Perez just ran over it on the way out
1: <sighs> where do we think this other tire was do we think do we think the guy was out there without the tire do we think the guy was just looking for the tire in the garage like where what's what's going on when you got three people on the same page and one guy who's just like oh I don't, I wasn't ready for this. I don't know what to do.
0: I think he had it over here, like back in the pit, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he okay. was ready at all because you can see one crew member pointing, going, look! <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> it's, it's over like... there. Wait, no, not that one. That one, that's the hard tire.
0: We the Other look! one. Yeah, we don't actually, by the way, like it, would you have been surprised if it was the wrong tire? Like if they'd gone out on like, <laughs> Like three hearts and one soft. I can't remember which, comp- which composite they were on at that point. But if they had done that, I would not have been surprised either. But you know, something screwed up when you see people pointing, right? Mm-hmm. No one's supposed to point or clarify what you're doing at a pit stop. Yes, Everyone's you are supposed not to supposed have their to head point. down. Right. They're, they're supposed to know. They're supposed to know and not think. And it's supposed to be over in a matter of seconds. Nobody should be having a discussion about anything.
1: Do we do we think there's ever a point in a Formula One race where it's appropriate to point at anything? I can't think. I can't really think of one. Can you think of one? No, I, I can't think of one.
0: Fernando Alonso giving the a wa- uh, finger waggle.
1: <laughs> that's a good one.
0: That I think is appropriate. Okay, I think that's the only time. Maybe if a Dutch fan does something really insane that they would never do, like I don't know, throwing a lit road flare onto the <laughs> track during qualifying, which would never happen. Never happen.
1: I was gonna say, like, maybe if there's a pigeon in the track and you have to say it's that one right there. Get that one. Don't yeah, don't hit that. Maybe then, but probably not in the pit lane when you're looking for tires during the mm-hmm. race and then putting them on the cars or not. I also thought yeah. that uh Checo running over the uh wheel gun was actually pretty funny. Like that's a good way to sabotage a, a Formula One race. Put some weird like random tool or instrument in the way of another car and just be like, oh, I mean, I I don't know what you're talking about. That's just, we needed to use that. So it was right there.
0: I really admire everything that Sky does to make this as seamless a race experience as possible. I think it's very hard. There are some sports, by the way, like what sports do you think are hardest to televise? Like, just from a from a production view, if you go, I have no idea how well they're doing this. I'll give you a start. The hardest sport to televise and make interesting is golf, because everyone's mm. at the same everyone's at the same point, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's at different points. There's one box where everyone sits and watches 18 holes with like 40 different dudes all doing different things, and they have to make it a seamless story. F one, I know you have a canvas. It's very hard to put people in the cars. I think Sky did an awesome job because at one point, Fernando Alonso went off-roading. And they immediately <laughs> switched. It just, you know, just it's the beach. Sometimes you get the urge to dune buggy, and that's what he did. And Alonso, when he was off track, they switched to the in-car camera because it looked like a fairly inconsequential little, okay, I'm off, I'm back on, little bump, we're good. Then they switched to the in-car camera, and I think we forget what stress these drivers are under physically, especially at Seinfort, where you're always turning, like always turning, always, you know, going through serious G forces uh just mm-hmm. to keep the car on the road. They showed the in-car camera for Fernando Alonso Jessica, and it looked like he had been hit with a shell. Like the car just <laughs> like that bump, the car goes like a full 30 degrees up it you know you can hear it you can feel how bad alonso's 41 i know his spine feels like it's filled with broken glass right now because of this
1: <laughs> who like, doesn't
0: just, who's yeah who's doesn't but but fernando like i love that they give you little windows into the actual sort of like multiple angles of a yes. racing experience like they did an awesome job on that like whole season, but particularly this race. I felt like I understood what they were going
1: through. There was a New York Times article about what it takes to to put on one of these races, Spencer, that I have not read because I am not a nerd. But it does sound like it is technically very difficult, which is why all of the credit to the Sky Sports team, especially our, our friends, Crofty and Ted Kravitz, who gotten a little bit of a beef during quality. Did you see that interaction between them, Spencer?
0: Uh, no, I did not. Please oh, it inform, was incredible. inform me of the beef
1: uh well it wasn't really a beef but it was like a no you go no no you go no we should cut to commercial no you go like Crofty was calling for Ted to give him some info on the track and Ted was like there's only one car out here it's Alex Albans Williams let's just go I thought we were gonna go to commercial and Crofty's like well we're not and he was like I don't really want to we should go to commercial and they had a back and forth for a full minute about what to do and it was like a very quintessentially British polite off
0: yeah like a brawl that never happens while one tells the other to walk into the door. No, sir. (laughs) You. I insist. It was
1: great. I highly recommend checking that out. Um, You you may have missed that while watching college football yesterday. But yes, Sky Sky does a wonderful job. Um, And I enjoyed that they had appropriate reactions to the Mercedes debacle of the day. Spencer, what else what else do we need to discuss from the race before we get to other Formula 1 things and call for questions from the audience?
0: I think things that we need to discuss from this race. Uh one we need to talk about, I'm very proud of the Dutch fans for not burning anything down. Good job. <laughs> not always the case with them, not always the best behaved fans. I haven't heard anything yet so my fingers are crossed on that but it's a very very uh, I think charitably raucous crowd. Um, there have been reports of harassment particularly from Dutch fans this year so y'all settle down. okay you mm. appear to be well yeah you appear to be well behaved today just keep that up. Right? Because that's the last (laughs) thing anyone wants at a race where you're already sort of waiting for a tire to fly into the stands. You know, I don't need to be worried about anything else, right? Particularly if I'm, uh, you know, a a member of a vulnerable population. Let's keep it cool. So, good job, y'all. Additionally, I want to go ahead and say that I think you've got the most, like, the lowest key interesting story for me right now is Fernando Alonso continuing to be. Just amazingly consistent and competitive, just running like top 10, if I I had to sort of frame this as like, how impressed should I be by somebody not winning? Fernando Alonso over like the past, you know, 5-10 races, he's always up there, always pushing, you know, and passes people like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Always. Still. Yeah. Passes people like like he is the pissed off old dude on the track.
1: And that was I mean we we briefly chatted about it last week, but that was why he was not happy. Alpine didn't want to keep him around on any sort of long-term contract cuz he's like, "Hey, what the hell? Like I'm Fernando Alonso. I'm still giving you good results here. I'm I'm pretty consistent. I'm keeping up with my teammate. We're in a battle for for fourth place right now thanks to me. Um I feel like you guys should want me to stick around." And alas, they were wishy-washy about it, kind of wanted to trade him in for someone younger. So now he's leaving. Uh, Alpine, it sounds like, is going to sign Pierre Gasly from AlphaTauri if Red Bull and AlphaTauri can find someone exciting to fill that spot. And Spencer, it now seems like they may have some answers here. There is an IndyCar driver, Colton Herta, who is from the United States, who Red Bull has their eyes on, although he does not have enough super license points to race in F1, so there's going to be a decision made in the next week about whether or not he's going to be eligible for 2023, and if he is, we will have an American driver not named Daniel Ricciardo on the grid next season.
0: Is he as American as Daniel Ricciardo? I'm going to go ahead and say no for the moment, okay, until I find out that Colton Herta likes Dale Earnhardt, until I find out that he's Bopping his head during the Dutch anthem, like Daniel <laughs> Ricardo was, was today. Yeah, everyone else standing, trying to be respectful. Right, Daniel Ricardo sitting there going like, "Yeah, this hits. Slam, He's
1: like a good one." They killed yeah, it. No. crushed it. Counterpoint: His first name is Colton.
0: Colton. That's Colton. Strong. That's very,
1: Pretty. very strong. Pretty American. Okay. Pretty Cali.
0: And he has an American passport, which you know, some points. Not, not, yeah. not a convincing case, but yeah, but yeah. We do have some questions here. The first will be, will today be the origins of the Hamilton-Rosberg-style bad vibes returning to Mercedes? I don't think we have a choice in the matter. I think that's on. That's Bad vibes are right now.
1: I don't know, Spencer. I think that that Lewis and Toto are going to have a little talk, and I think Lewis is going to come out of that one and be like, he needs to wait his turn, and I'm Lewis Hamilton, and I say so. And I don't know. I I think he wins the next time something like this happens. I could be wrong. But I think Lewis is going to just pull the seniority card.
0: I'm going to riverside you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be over here and say this is a done deal. And once the slide happens, because I think if I'm inside the mind of Toto Wolf, he's like the thing that the thing that must happen sooner must happen now. Do it now.
1: <laughs> Toto like, seemed afraid of Lewis Hamilton during the radio message, though. Like he seemed genuinely afraid that Lewis was going to blow up the whole thing over the radio right when the race ended.
0: You've got a lot of like. I think the larger question here is who's under what kind of pressure at Mercedes Mm. because Toto has been at it for a minute. Right. And he has talked openly like in drive to survive and beyond about the toll that this job takes on him. I think that toll, by the way, is exacerbated by already being wealthy, like already being, he doesn't (laughs) have to like, he does this because it is his passion. Okay. And that's, good and bad because it's good you'll keep going you really love it it's bad because if you do something because it's your passion you don't always know when you're burned out mm. right and that on top of an aging champion and lewis hamilton and a, an upstart who just took his first head right like just did his first he did his first successful backstab right of a teammate which is the no a noble tradition in f1 right to prosper at the expense of your teammate. That's not to say George Russell did anything wrong. It just, I think, marks a turning point in this story for me. So I'm going to disagree on that.
1: All right. Agree to disagree, Spencer. We have another question here in the chat. Do Dutch fans huff whippets at F1 races like they do on King's Day? (laughs) I'm not sure if I know what King's Day is, but it does seem like Dutch fans have a very good time at Formula 1 races, Spencer. And we can leave it at that, unless you have anything else to add.
0: Whippets are terrible. Don't do them.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. How do we get, feel go, about go Gasly? <laughs> Next, how do we feel about Gasly going to Alpine being the worst kept secret? I mean, I think it's funny. They're going to have two French guys on their team that don't like each other, apparently. Apparently, mm-hmm. Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly have a little bit of uh tension between them. And that has been um what, some of the holdup is on the whole Gasly to Alpine thing being in the bag. That and Alphatori obviously wanting to make sure they get something good out of releasing Pierre Gasly. But Spencer, what what happens when you have two French guys on the same team that don't like each other? What,
0: what are we to expect from this? I think you're going to see intense competition between the two. You're going to see this. You're going to see a lot of subtle digs. The French are very good at the subtle digs. So you'll see a lot of subtle digs at each other. The Mm. question I wanted to ask you to answer your question was this. What was this beef over? What was the origin of it? Because I am willing to bet it was over one of the two things. One, a woman, or two, a mixtape, right? Mm. Listen to my DJ set. And Esteban was like, yeah, this is not, I do not like this. You could do better. <laughs> Gasly was like deeply hurt. He's like, I thought I matched beats perfectly.
1: I would like to see them fight each other with baguettes as lightsabers.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm going to lean into the stereotypical Frenchness of that. <laughs> because remember, it's, uh, if you use a cliche, it's hack. If you use two cliches together, it's camp. So I'm going to mm. go ahead and say, just make it the, the, if they're both smoking at the same time and they're like listening to techno right mm-hmm. and arguing about genetically modified vegetables that to me would be the most french thing
1: i think this is going to be an exciting exciting team to watch in 2023 like yes the car is good yes the team's doing well they're very consistent they're easily a top 4 team in f1 this season esteban ocon's a pretty good driver pierre gasly's a, uh, also a good driver hasn't been having the best season this year but you know could things could change next year but more importantly like it will be fun to have them be beefing uh, or buffing, I guess, but God. D- during, during the 2023 season.
0: You said that. You said that.
1: I did, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's past noon, so I'm going to allow it because it's <laughs> not too early for that. I'm going to, I'm going to skip down the list of questions because I want to address one very quickly from a car dude's perspective. Will Lamborghini try to get back an F1 just despite a Ferrari? after the way Ferrari has been this season. No, never. You don't know, Lamborghini has sniffed around F1 in 1991. I wanna say they had uh, a race team affiliation. There was some overlap. The car wasn't really that great. That's not really the point. Here is the deal. Lamborghini has one of the best deals in like automotive sport racing culture imaginable one they exist because ferrari exists okay they're everything that ferrari isn't identity wise that's real easy okay if a ferrari is beautiful and it has control and it has speed you just take that and flip it and that's a lamborghini right they're like ah the ferrari it's so feminine and it's so controlled and composed and balanced ferrari is like Huge bull out of control. Like they have the easiest identity in the world. Okay. So they're not going to mess with that. And if, if Ferrari is concerned with F1, do you know what Lamborghini is concerned with? Rich people with too much money. Mm. That's it. Just make it louder and snarlier. Okay. That's it. They have nothing to gain by getting this, especially with Porsche getting into it. Lamborghini just doesn't have the same scale. Um, I, I, their, their current owners have no interest, I think, in creating more competition for the race team that they're already supporting um yeah no lambo will never ever get into this the best way to mock ferrari is to be like never try make make huge loud cars for people who can afford them that's it
1: spencer i i saw you tweeting something about lamborghini earlier can you give up can you give me like the cliff's notes on that
0: yes yes so lamborghini really only exists because um uh, Ferruccio Lamborghini uh, was the guy who uh, was running the tractor company. If you don't know, Mm. Lamborghini is a tractor company with a sports car problem.
1: So it's like, hold on. So it's like if John Deere was like, we're making luxury cars now?
0: It is exactly like that. It Mm. is because Lamborghini and Ferrari, uh, Lamborghini purchased one of Enzo Ferrari's cars. And he complained about, I believe, the clutch Mm. to Enzo Ferrari in person saying, ah, you know, the clutch is a little iffy on this. I don't like it. And Ferrari basically said, hey, Tractor Boy, why don't you just go off to the farm? I'll worry about the pretty cars. And Lamborghini being super emotional and a man said, I will build a whole company just to build a car to prove you wrong, Enzo. And that is literally the origins of the Lamborghini brand came from Enzo Ferrari being like, Tractor Boy, you go play on the farm. That's it.
1: And to this day, Ferrari still lacks clutch.
0: Wow! I couldn't dunk harder than that. I think we're at a wrap.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week after Monza. Maybe Daniel Ricciardo will get the repeat. We'll we'll chat some more about him at his sort of home home race. He does speak Italian, I guess. So that, that counts yeah. for something.
0: Oh, listen, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be Italian as hell. We're gonna be like. We'll be smoking a little bit of red wine up in here. We'll have we'll have the early pasta lunch. It's going to be delicious.
1: I won't be here. You'll just be talking to a bust made of gabagool.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, but that, that that's fine. I will be addressing the ancestors.
1: <laughs> uh, well, thanks for watching this week. It's been fun, Spencer. As always, thank you, and we will be back next week for the final race of this triple header.
0: Arrivederci.